Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined with Constantin Morin. Did I say that right? Yes. You're hey. Constantine or Constantine. Yeah, that's perfect. Constantine. Hey, Constantine. How are you today, man? Well, I'm excellent, Todd. It's a beautiful day outside. I'm in Canada, right? So winter goes a bit longer than it should. I finally see sunshine. Trees are show, starting, showing signs of leaves and flowers. So it's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. That sounds great. And speaking of which, you gave part of it away. Where in Canada are you calling from? All the way on the East Coast. So I am in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Not too far from Boston. I guess that would be the biggest uh, city around us within a few hours, of course. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of snow up there, isn't it? I think it stays pretty cold almost year-round, right? Well, this part of Canada is actually much nicer. It does get snowy quite a bit. However, it doesn't get as cold as, let's say, Ontario or other parts of northern Canada, where I've lived in the past. So I'm liking that because we're by the ocean. We get a breeze, so it's less cold and less warm in the summer, too. So you have a nice balance. Wow, very cool. And were you born there? Where were you born? No, I was born in Eastern Europe, in Romania, during the time when the country was still a communist country. So that was back in the 80s. Wow. Really? Too many Christmas. What was that experience like? Well, it was very interesting. So I lived in Romania until I was about 17. And most of my formative years, I should say, or at least the early age formative years, uh, between zero and eight, it was during the communist time, right? So there was a time of scarcity, of fear, a lot of different, or I should say a different mentality than what you would expect in Western societies. So it was very interesting growing up because I was young, I didn't know much, but of course, all the people around me, they had to deal with the scarcity, they had to deal with the fear, so that was imprinted on me at a young age. Now, after the revolution in 89, where Romania changed from a communist country to a democratic country, you still had a lot of those influences. Pretty much for the rest of the time I lived in Romania, and I, and I left Romania in 2000, and uh, my parents and I, and my brother moved to Canada. Uh, it was an immigration process, and the idea was to give us, the kids, a better chance at a better future. Uh, God bless you. That's fantastic, man. Very cool. And is it just you and your brother, or did you have other siblings? No, it's just me and him. Our family has been uh, very small, despite coming from 
a part of the world where usually families are large. Like my father didn't have any siblings. My mother has a few half siblings. And it's just me and my brother. Wow. And are your parents still with us? Yes, they are. Then they live in Ontario. Um, so awesome. like 17 hour drive. Uh, uh, totally worth it, dude. Totally worth Absolutely. it. It's, it's a lot it's a lot farther to drive once they're gone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's the only different avenues to connect at that point. Yeah, I would say so. That's a beautiful thing. And uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about your childhood. What's some early memories that come to mind, like uh, the most striking memories from your earliest childhood memory? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the ones that come to mind often are how simple life appeared back in those days. Mm -hmm. Because it was pre-internet. I remember most of the television shows I was watching when I was young were still black and white because <laughs> Romania was a bit behind the times, like many other countries in those, uh, in those years. Mm -hmm. And I still remember, for example, going to kindergarten and school and having all those... Um, programs that a communist country would have, where you had to prepare to sing the anthem and there were programs for Christmas and for the various holidays where you had to dress up a certain way, act a certain way, and perform a certain way. It didn't matter if you wanted to do that or not. Of course, everyone had to do it. Wow. Uh, yeah, and I would say a lot of what I remember has to do with things that I would want to do, but not necessarily be allowed to do it, either because society didn't look up to that, like creating stuff or challenging the status quo, like why are things a certain way? Mm -hmm. And um, also the scarcity and the fear. I mean, I remember during the revolution, which was in 89, I was about seven years old at the time. And I remember having to hide with my family in one of our I guess, bathrooms that had no windows because there were tanks on the street, right? And there were soldiers with rifles and everything and they were shooting and you would hear smoke. And you, could hear, you could hear the gun, the guns going off in the distance and whatnot. And again, I was very young, so I only have fragments of those memories, but they do stick with you, right? And I didn't think growing up that that would impact me in any shape, form or way, but we all have various forms of traumas and experiences from our childhood that even though we don't remember them very well or at all, they will impact us throughout life. And I'm no different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so would you say that there was an element of fear that was built into your psyche at that time? I would definitely say so. I mean, fear, but I would go deeper than that because fear, of course, it, it encompasses so many different things. But it was also... I would expand from fear to a lack of belief in myself at times, because if I wasn't allowed to show who I am or do what I wanted to do as, as a child to explore things, and I was told, you, you know what, boys don't cry, or you pull your pants up and you move on, or boys like you don't do art or don't draw or don't do anything like that, right? Like those are mentalities that stick with you. And that's part based in fear and part based in what society knew at the time, because no one in my life was telling me things or, or guiding me in a way that was meant to harm me. They, was, they were doing it out of love, and what they knew from the time when they were raised and how they had to live through very difficult times. And I can't even imagine what my parents had to have gone through, my grandparents, everyone around us. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And I take it that you had a really good relationship with your parents growing up. I did, yes. I mean, I was raised in part by my grandparents and in part by my parents. My parents were working very long hours. Mm -hmm. My mother was actually working 12-hour days as a civil engineer. Uh, my father as a elect engineer, well, sorry, computer engineer and electrical engineer. He was a professor at the university. So I would see him a bit more often. But then my grandparents, one of which was retired, were helping to raise me. Mm -hmm. So I lived with them for the good majority of my childhood right on yeah it's a little bit like my family i was i spent a, quite a bit of time with my grandparents also um good what a blessing man what a blessing absolutely. and absolutely and uh how did your mom and dad differ in their influence in your life were they 
two separate people or were they a single voice together? What was that like? That's a great question. I never really gave it too much thought, but definitely uh, it was a bit of both. So at times they would come together and they were very strict, as you'd imagine, in, in those countries and those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all based around the fact that they wanted you, the child, to be safe. Yes. So that meant that you couldn't do much by yourself, nor were you allowed to take many risks. What I mean by that is even simple things like going to the playground by yourself or going across the street to play soccer. I remember, especially with my grandparents, my grandfather, who was a retired uh, army uh, colonel, and he was following me, not following me, but taking care of me everywhere, right, up to like my high school days. He was so careful, right, because they grew up again in, in a time when it wasn't safe to do much, so they wanted that for us. And I explained from your question, but essentially that idea of safety was something that everyone in my immediate family was imprinting on me. got to be careful at everything you do. So what do you mean by safety? So doing things on your own, essentially. Like if I want no play... What happened? What was the danger? The the danger that they thought would be possibly kidnapping, possibly getting hurt, possibly, you know, not coming home. I mean, I'm not sure if those things were necessarily true at that point in time, but that's how it felt to me. Now, mind you, I was seeing kids around me that they didn't have that family support, right? And they had to do things on their own and they seemed to be fine. I was a small child, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eventually. And it was very interesting for me to see that, but it also meant that because I had someone, an adult, always with me and essentially acting on my behalf, I was also someone that then learned to be like, oh, I will ask my grandfather to do something, like call my friend up so he can come out to play. Because I was too ashamed or embarrassed to call their parents because I always had someone doing it for me. So then I'm like, why do it? And it took me a while to get over that part I realized that, you know what? I have all the answers and I can do all the things myself. And I noticed how that type of imprinting was showing up in my adult life. Mm-hmm. Not to the scale, but still enough where, let's say with my partner or in school, in the first few years of um, high school here in Canada, I would be more shy, right? More reluctant to to reach out, to say hi to someone or to ask an adult something because the way I was raised, the adults would talk with them, you know, between themselves, I would ask an adult to ask the other one what's allowed or what can be done. Wow, that's amazing. Um, What a different way to to live. Uh, So essentially, just to make sure I got this straight, if you did something wrong, like the government would come and do something to you? Is that how it was? Um, well, part of it, depending on uh, what it was, right? Because during the communist era, like in any communist country, if you do something against the norms, you'll be punished. Now, as a child, I don't know how that would expand to that point. But there were always stories of children disappearing or something happening um, that was, let's say, negative. But those stories, you have them everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And it, 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 you know, that's the reality of life. So yeah. some people, of course, if they have the means, like if they have the time, the resources, they want their children and their family to be as safe as possible. And that was in, in the case with my family. They just wanted us to be as safe as possible. And that meant that there were some restrictions, right? That that meant that there were some rules in place. And one of the things I should mention about Eastern Europe, but I believe it's true across the world, is the fact that if you make mistakes, mistakes are generally punished, right? You don't look at a mistake like in some Western societies where you have a growth mindset where you're like, okay, I made a mistake, I can learn from it and I can grow. At least back then, it was more like you make a mistake, you get punished, either verbally, sometimes physically, right? Or there could be a form of... um, you know, go in the corner and stay there for 10 seconds or two minutes or five minutes or go right on the board that I shall not do this a hundred times. Wow. 
Right. Sounds that's, familiar. I, I I had that in America when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. That's why I said I don't think it's very different across the world, or at least in these days it's changing a bit. Mm-hmm. But what does it teach you, right? Like in, I, I always look back at what did that teach me? Right. To try to not make mistakes, but that's not a human behavior. I mean, we all make mistakes. It's part of life. And B, if you make mistakes, be very good at hiding them. So you don't suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking of which, um, did you ever get in trouble as a young person? I mean, I, I had certain things I had in trouble with, like, let's say, I would say that I would come home at a certain hour and I would stay an extra half an hour to play soccer. Soccer was a big thing for me. And as I grew up, let's say 10, 11, I would start to get a bit of freedom and be able to go across the street where we had a, a field and we would play. And then I would say I would come home at a certain time and I wouldn't, and then I would get in trouble. Like small things. Okay. I haven't ever gotten into big trouble because A, I wasn't necessarily allowed that type of freedom to allow me to get into trouble. And I wasn't someone that was rebelling against my parents or my um, grandparents or anyone else around me that much. I would challenge the status quo. I, was, I would always ask questions, but I would never really take it to the next level, which would be to rebel against yeah. against them. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and just kind of switching gears, uh, are your grandparents still with you? Uh, so I had four grandparents alive until COVID hit, and then unfortunately COVID claimed oh. the lives of two of them. Um, the ones from my father's side, the ones that raised me, and oh. uh, the the ones on my mother's side are still alive. But they they lived a very long and beautiful life, as far as I know. I mean, my grandfather was in his mid nineties when he passed away. He was born in twenty seven, wow. so he had experienced a lot in his life. And uh, my grandmother was born in uh, 34, so you can imagine, um, you know, the, the life that they would have had to go through and yeah. everything they would have had to go through because when, my, when both of them were young, that's when World War II happened. Yeah, yeah, and my grandparents, I learned a lot about that in the Great Depression and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my, my father fought, or my grandfather fought in that war and, and uh Wow. Yeah, man. The stories are really heavy. Um, so let me ask you this. Relating to your late grandparents, if if they could appear right now and be sitting on your couch, what's one thing that you would say to them that you never got a chance to say but always wanted to? That's a good question. I would say, and I'm getting emotional here just thinking about it, but um, I would say thank you for sure because what I've come to realize, especially in the last couple of years of being on my own transformational journey and spiritual awakening journey, is the idea that we take way too much for granted that happens in our life, right? Like simple things like the glass of water I have in front of me right now and the water inside the glass, food, the people around us, family or otherwise, um, the peace that a lot of us are experiencing in the Western world, despite every hardship that we may be going through. So I would definitely say thank you. And that I now understand what they were going through, at least to some degree, because I will never know their full stories. I will never know what they had to go through. But I understand why they were the way they were, because that's all they knew, That because that's what their parents and their society, when they were raised, told them and showed them. So why would they be any different than how they knew how to be? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, in your culture, is it uh, common for communication with the family, you know, to be really open or is it restricted? What's that like? That's a great question, actually. I would say more restricted than open. Mm -hmm. For example, sexual topics, money topics. Mm -hmm. um, Wait, wait, you're not supposed to talk about those? (laughs) I, I mean, I would hope that nowadays we do talk about those, but not when I grow up. And that's the same thing in school, right? Like, those are subjects that people don't bring up much because it's a sensitive topic or you don't talk about money. I'm like, okay, you don't talk about money, but how do you teach your children to be financially responsible as they grow up? Like, that's something I never knew. And I came to Canada 
when I was 17. And at the time, there were 13 grades for high school. So you have to do grade 11, 12, 13. Now, given that schooling in Romania was a bit of a higher level, I got placed in grade 12. So I essentially skipped grade 11. So I got to do two years of high school. And then I went on and did two years of engineering before switching over to mathematics and computer science, which is what my degree is in. And in all those years, and mind you, this is between 2000 and 2008, roughly, when I was in high school and university, there were no classes that that talked about money or mental health. That's another huge one. Nobody really talked about their emotions. Right. That again, was actually, that was my next question is, uh, what about feelings and talking about your feelings? Oh, you don't talk about that. And then they come out in explosive ways, right? Because you suppress things so much mm-hmm. that like a volcano, they all come up at some point in time. And that's, I was raised in an environment full of love, like full of love. But the communication style was through yelling at times, right? Like if let's say you made a mistake, like you spilled a glass of water, you would be yelled at. Like it could be my grandfather doing that and then my grandmother yelling, <laughs> right? Or my father doing something and my mother yelling, right? And then I grew up in an environment where I thought yelling, that's how people communicate. And in my relationships, and I've met some wonderful people, I'm talking about personal you know, friends, but also uh, partners, that came out quite a few times. And it took me a long time to realize, the wait a second, that's not normal. That's not how people communicate when they feel aggravated. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That reminds me, uh, I was just thinking about my late grandfather. My grandparents have both passed as well, and God rest their souls. They were the gift of my life, man. Love those people. They they were the greatest, you know. And uh, I remember my grandfather, because I was a hyperactive child when I was growing up, and I, I caused a little bit of mischief here and there and everywhere. And uh, so when he got mad, he, he'd always say, Todd, damn it. <laughs> Todd, damn it. Yeah, that's, that's it sounds like God, but you know it's Todd, and it's totally different. So, but yeah, that that reminds me of that. But they were always really calm and loving, and man, it was a good example. I'm really glad I had that experience. Actually, um, not yeah, as much and, yelling. I mean, it wasn't again. It wasn't necessarily done with an ill intent. That's the part. Yeah. I was missing initially, it was done because, again, that's all they knew growing up and society was a certain way and that was normal for that period of time, for that group of people. And it's up to us, each individual that listens to this and that we interact with, to decide what aligns with us still from those times and whatever we learned in our childhoods and what doesn't. And we have the choice to make a change. Now, it's not easy, but we have the choice. And that's something that was a huge aha moment for me when I realized that everything I've done in my life and everything I'm, I'm going to do in my life, it all boils, boils down to a choice I make. Sure, different choices will have different outcomes. And in my mind, those outcomes could be favorable or unfavorable or anything in between. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that I have a choice in anything I do. Yes, absolutely. And um I want to get ahead uh, to moving, you know, because you change locations and your life and everything like that. But what would you say the greatest lesson out of your childhood would be? Like, what what would, if you were to pull one major lesson from your childhood, what would it be? Something that I didn't know or didn't pay enough attention to until more recently, it would be the idea of community and family and that type of bond where you get together with people and people that you share at least some commonalities with, maybe the way you think, maybe the uh, passion or a project or anything like that, and and the importance of that. Because I am someone that's very independent, and especially once I moved to Canada and essentially lost all my friends, right? I had to make new friends, and that's not hard for me. But then my priorities shifted. I was always big into computers, and I, even though Romania was behind the times a bit, my father, being a university professor, had access to some computers, and I always had my hands on that, and I would love playing games. So anyway, long story short, when I moved to Canada, I got into gaming quite a bit, and I was really good, but that meant that my life was fairly 
independent, right? I was by myself, not as many people interactions, or if there were interactions, they were virtual, not in person. And it took me many years to, to realize the value of having a community, no matter how small it is. Yeah, man, I feel that. And um, what led you to leave Romania and go to Canada? It wasn't my choice. <laughs> Looking back, I, I never wanted to leave. And the choice was made by my parents. Um, they wanted to give my brother and I a better future. And wow. at the time in Romania, like many of the communist countries, corruption is huge. And of course, corruption is a problem everywhere in the world. Like North America's no exception. However, right. some countries have bigger problems than others. And if you want to get ahead, most people in a country like that will have to be corrupt in some form, shape or way. And my parents didn't want to go down the path. They wanted to give us a chance at a better future. And they said, you know what? We heard good things about North America. They applied to both Canada and USA, I believe. We got into Canada fairly quick. The process only took like about one year from when they applied to when we, uh, we got the papers. And then in September of 2020 is when we moved to Canada. And again, we left behind everything. Wow. Wow, man, that's crazy. What an experience that must have been. And uh, coming into the new uh, area, you said uh, you were about 19, is that right? 17. I was 17 when I, when I moved, just okay. turned 17. And we moved, so Toronto, of course, big city in Canada. We were about one hour west of Toronto, large community of Romanian people. And that's one reason we chose that location is because my parents had some friends of some friends that lived in, in the city we moved to, and they offered to help us for the first couple of weeks, like do all the paperwork with us and drive us around to some place. And again, that's the 2000 is, you know, kind of when the internet was really taking off. Yeah. Right? So you couldn't do as much virtually as you can today. Uh, but anyway, we, we got there. We eventually stayed, decided to stay there because my father found a job fairly quick with his engineering background and one, two of the biggest universities in Canada, or some of the best ones, are in that location, University of Waterloo, which is the one I went to. So it made sense for us to stay within the region and build a life there. Very cool, man. Very cool. And uh, you adapted very quickly, you said, and uh, just excelled? Or was it a struggle? What was that like? That's a good, uh, good question, because it was a bit of both. So... One thing I should mention is that we, most of us, all four of us actually coming to Canada, we didn't speak much English. And I was no exception. I knew very little from a couple of classes in high school. And we had to learn English very quick. My brother is five years younger. He's 12. So for him, it was a bit easier because apparently or supposedly with languages, the way it works is, of course, the younger you are, the faster you pick them up. But when it comes to having an accent, like I have one still, if you're about 12, 13, and you learn a new language, you're fine, especially when you come from a background like ours with a Slavic language. Past those ages, your vocal cords are formed, so it's very tough to get rid of the accent, and it's harder to learn the language. But anyway, I learned the language while in high school, and funny enough, by grade you know, 13, so my second year of high school, I was doing amazingly well in, in English. I loved to write essays and, you know, take the English classes and math and everything else. And in high school, I was a top student. Then, of course, I got accepted into many universities, but that's when I found gaming. So it was kind of a mix of like in university, I was a bit more relaxed. I still, of course, graduated and I had good marks, but I wasn't the top of my class like I was in, in high school. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, how did you find your path in life? How did it work that you finally figured out what you wanted to do? I don't think I had any idea when I was uh, 19, 20, when I was going through university, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Growing up in Romania, as I mentioned, I played a lot of soccer or football, and I always wanted to pursue that as a career when I was back in Romania. Of course, that wasn't possible once I moved to Canada. And... I finished with my degree of mathematics and computer science, and I took the first job that was available, which was a computer science-related job. And everything I've done in life, professionally, I mean, has been tied to an opportunity that came 
in my path, and I took that opportunity. So the first job was the computer science. Now, that job was at a startup, didn't last very long, probably about a year and a half. But at the same time, I was playing a lot of poker with my friends, and I was liking it. And I heard about this thing, playing poker online, and in my spare time, mm-hmm. I would play poker online. And I got good really fast with my math background. It helped. Mm-hmm. So what happened is after I finished my first real job after university, I said, you know what, I'm going to try my hand at online poker. And I actually played online poker professionally for many years and became a poker coach and a poker content creator on some of the biggest sites at the time. And that was a really amazing part of my life because I was my own boss. I was doing so many things that I wanted to do, and I didn't necessarily have to have a fixed schedule. But there was a lot of pressure from those around me to get a real job, quote unquote. (laughs) What threw me back into uh, the real world, so to speak, and I took a job as a web developer and project manager. And quickly within the organization, I was fortunate enough to be presented with opportunities to move into consulting. So leverage my consulting background from the poker coaching mm-hmm. and jump into that. And I've been in the area of project management, change management, and technical consulting consulting ever since. And today I work with Microsoft Canada as a technical consultant. And all those skills I built over the years have helped me be someone that can manage projects, manage change, and also manage technical conversations. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, I've done, I like web developing. I've done that for more than 20 years and I started a long time ago and learned and got clients and did this and that and the other thing. And boy, oh boy, things have changed a lot. (laughs) Wow. It's uh, come a long way since the first iterations of Dreamweaver and Cold Fusion, you know. I remember Dreamweaver actually. I used to we used to use that so much. Yeah, me too. That's how I got started. That was my first program, and then eventually I discovered Joomla. I can't remember if WordPress was out, but for some reason Joomla was the shit at the time, and yes. uh, so that was the first content management system. I thought it was so slick. I'm like, man, look at what we can do. And now looking back, it's like that was child's play compared to what you could do now. It's so different. Like, exactly. wow. And now with artificial intelligence coming on the scene more and more, mm-hmm. which is what I specialize in at, at my work, mm-hmm. it's beautiful to see. It can be scary for some people. However, the opportunities that lie with that, wow. Yeah. You know, let's have this conversation again in five years and the world will look very differently, I, I, I believe. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I'm a WordPress developer by trade now, and I'm pretty skilled in that. But they have some plugins that integrate the AI system into the website. And so I'm just starting to play with that. But I've been using ChatGPT and um, uh, what is the uh, journey? Mid-journey? Mid-journey, yeah, that uh, for graphics and stuff like that. Wrote a children's book that I haven't published yet. Um, that was interesting. Oh, that's beautiful, I've yeah. been wanting to do that, and boy, oh boy, that's what AI can do for you, is it yeah, can I'll... take your idea and start to put it in form so you can run with it, you know? Exactly, and you, I think you touched on a key point there. A lot of people believe that AI will replace them or their work or they can you know let's say i want to be lazy and i'm just going to get ai to do my job but it can only do as much as you teach it to do when you give it information to work with so it's best at helping you with writer's block get you started help you with regulation and it's like any other tool it's as good as the person using the tool because i could give you a hammer and you could use it wrong and it doesn't matter if it's a hammer it's the same idea with ai and that's what people need to understand. And those that can get ahead and will get ahead are those that realize that AI is just an extension of the human. That's right. It's just extending your creativity and your skills. So use it for that. Yeah, I'm counting on uh, the fact that there's a way to unplug it if the opportunity ever presents itself that we need to. Because <laughs> that's part of it. You know, it's like... I would say yes, yes. Let's let's leave it at that. There yeah. are to unplug it. I mean, like anything like the internet or anything else. But there are also AI is being tested right now that essentially run on their own and they can evolve and can do things. So we'll see where it where it take where it's being taken. 
However, the, the beautiful parts of it and what it will allow us to do to connect people more, it will be, it will be beautiful. And it already is to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when it comes to data uh, uh, management and uh, you know doing things related to the content development areas. It's like wow, it's off the charts, man. I I just love it. You know, I, exactly. I think it's great. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh man, I saw um, just a, an aside here because you made me think of it, but um, uh, I was just kind of scrolling through YouTube the other day and. There was a short in there, you know, one of the YouTube shorts. And mm-hmm. it's this really pretty girl, pretty blonde girl, and, you know, in the video or whatever. And holy crap, man, I had no idea it was a robot. <laughs> oh, wow. And it looks uh, pretty darn real. And yeah. yeah, it's getting creepy like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of creepy, there are tools online right now you can, you can sign up for this. You give it three seconds of your voice. Right. It's like 99% accurate. Like to you and I, we, we couldn't tell, tell it apart. Sure, once you do some digging, you can realize if it's fake or not, but it's getting very close. Same with the deep fakes, if you've ever heard of those, which is oh, yeah. idea of, again, taking someone's face, mannerisms, voice, yep. and recreating it in, in 3D and using AI. But again, I mean, those there, there are... We know that the bad people out there are not going to stop. They're going to continue evolving these tools. So we need the good people, most of us really, to continue doing our work mm-hmm. to bring more value to the human race and combat all the negative that's going to be coming up. Yeah, man. I, I tried to get my hands on that system that you're talking about. It's a Microsoft system, as I understand it. And it does really good inflection and different things like that, but I couldn't figure out how to get the darn thing to actually happen. Like people seem to talk about it. There must be like a special invite or something like that, but I wanted to use it because, you know, you can write things like that and it'll be in your voice. And then the other cool thing is you can take that voice, uh, that audio file, and there's other places that automatically transcribe that into other languages in your voice. <laughs> that's the part that I'm looking forward to when it, when it becomes really good because imagine your show for example or my show if we could translate this in languages where it can bring even more value than it currently does in, in one language that would be powerful absolutely uh, it's about educating and informing and inspiring and empowering the entire world not just those who speak one language or a specific language the website i was just pulling it up to see so i could share it with you but the website that does that um is called dscript.com d-e-s-c-r-i-p-t.com and apparently it transcribes audio into a whole bunch of different languages and really uh, yeah, it's really interesting. The I don't know. Is because I use Descript as my video editing tool for my podcast. Oh, I really? Does that, so I'll have to look into it. Oh, dude, it's great. Yeah, and for me, um, well, you know, you're on the system now, but Bullhorn is what I've been using for my mm-hmm. audio podcasts, and I just master and mix and edit on my uh, computer using you know, audio tools and stuff like that. But I'm kind of hoping that there'll come a time where, you know, uh, for example, I, you know, when we record this podcast, it sounds great, but the levels are too low for commercial broadcast and they have to be, you know, at a certain range and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping at some point they'll integrate something that will master and bring it up to the right levels and get rid of background noise and all that stuff. There's lots of automated mastering solutions out there, but they just don't seem to hit the mark. I haven't tried them in a while, but um, I just that part is really interesting to me. Funny enough, mention Descript does that. Like when oh, I put it does? in there, yes, you have an an option for essentially studio audio, which will do the noise reduction. So like, awesome. If something in the background, let's say my chair creaks or something like that, it will remove it right away. AI, yeah, it's not perfect yet but it's getting to the point where it can remove that air you know i took a second there to talk right or yeah. if i say arms and uns or even you know or anything like that it can it can automatically remove it 
Mm -hmm. And the part that I thought was most fascinating about that is that you can edit your own voice using the keyboard and type the words and change. So like, let's say that you said uh, blue and you should have said purple. You can go on the screen and change the word blue to purple and your voice will say purple. Yeah, I need to try it. I haven't, uh, and I'm curious how it does with people like me that have a bit of an accent mm. and um, I see how it does. And I and I have this script and I have the professional license so I can try it out and I'll report back to you, Todd, in an email and see if it's uh, if it's worth taking a look deeper at the, at the tool. Thank but, you. I actually would like that because I'm getting ready to start a second podcast here with my cousin uh, related to spiritual healing and all that. And she wants to broadcast in Haitian and uh, Italian and a couple other languages. Oh, oh, oh. And so that's what we were thinking is that Descript would be the solution to enable that. Um, you she speaks, she speaks so, the languages, but it'd be nicer to have automatic transcription. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with Descript, what I love about it is I put my videos in after I record. It trans transcribes everything. And like you were saying earlier, I can literally go in and remove any of the words and it removes them from the show exactly yeah, it's so cool you know, man yeah what's around them. and neither one of us are here to plug descript but i'll tell you it is pretty cool so um you know i've tried it because uh i guess one thing that we can talk about really quick is i've uh, launched my podcast 10 days ago or so but awesome. it's been it works for about five six months now okay and uh, i've tested a lot of different tools because mm -hmm. like you're a techie, so I want to see what's best. And of course, everything and everyone wants to take your money nowadays with subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful what you, what you pay for. So I had to try different ones. And for sure, there's a few out there that can help you as a content creator. It doesn't matter if you have a podcast or not. They can help you save time, create better content, reach a broader audience. All of those things can be augmented through artificial intelligence. Totally, man. Uh, just out of curiosity, since we're talking about it, who do you use for an aggregator? Uh, Acast. Uh, really? Me too. Right on, man. Yeah, that was the one I settled on. It was the best in almost a year now, and I haven't had any real problems or anything. So, Yeah, it seems you know. good. I, enough, I mean, I have a friend I play soccer with, and he's had a podcast for like 10 years using them. So I just trusted him on that. He said, we use ACAS. We've been using it for 10 years. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to do research into that because there's so much research that has to go into yep. everything I did to podcast. And I'm like, some areas, if some people know better than I do, I'll just trust them and, and go with it. But speaking of uh, your cousin, you mentioned spiritual healing. Like Personally, I've been on a spiritual path for the last few years, and it it's always something that I like talking about, and I'm curious mm -hmm. to see... Uh, your take, but in my case, spirituality, you know, I grew up religion, uh, sorry, religious with uh, um, Christian, Christianity in Romania. We were uh, Catholic, Orthodox, um, most of Romania, but I didn't practice much beyond my early years. And I was an agnostic most of my 20s and early 30s. But then a few events happened in my life that opened my eyes up to the idea that there's something more out there, there's something more than we understand. And also there's something more to ourselves that we don't understand. That's why yes. the idea of self-discovery and spirituality tied to personal growth came to me. Because I was always someone looking outside of me for answers. Because, again, that's how we grow up, right? You look up to your parents, to your teachers, to your mm -hmm. friends, whatever. They know the answer. You don't. Long story short, I stumbled one way or another you know, this idea of growth mindset that was when I joined Microsoft about six years ago. And that got me intrigued because, again, up to that point, for me, mistakes was something to avoid or to hide. And, of course, mistakes were punished. And growth mindset is quite the opposite. It's the idea that, yes, you will make mistakes. Yes, you can learn from them. And, yes, you don't have to be punished and you can move on. And that was mind-blowing to me. And when I started digging more and more, I realized that, wait a second, we now have more things to think about, self-discovery, so looking inwards and seeing what really drives you, what motivates you, not from an ego point of view, not from a mind point of view, but more from a heart point of view. Like, what makes you, Todd, smile at the end of the day or at the end of an interaction? Like, mm -hmm. what brings you joy in life? And that's a hard one for most people to do because, again, we're not conditioned that way. We're not 
shown that that's a possibility. And that's what I like to talk about. And one of the reasons I decided, you know what, I've been on this path myself. I've learned so much. Why not share this with people? So maybe I can save them a bit of time, you know, that I had to spend to find all this information and get them to start their journey a bit earlier than I did. Because if I had a mentor, let's say when I was 20, this is the type of stuff I would have wanted to learn about. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally hear that. Uh, what's the name of your podcast? The name of the podcast is Unleash Thyself. Uh, and the idea of the, the name, I mean, it came to me one night. And I love the double meaning of it. Meaning that, you know, to unleash oneself or to unleash thyself is the idea of becoming who you're meant to be, your true self. But it could also mean the idea that everything in our life tries to control us and quote-unquote can have a leash on us. It could be society, it could be family, it could be school, it could be religion, it could be any of those things. And it's up to us to say, do we want someone to have a leash around our neck and guide us or do we want to think for ourselves? And that's what I'm saying. It's like we'll change the status quo. You know, someone says the sky is blue. Okay, I can see the sky is blue. But how about everything else? Can we challenge certain things? Like if this is something that you asked me earlier, like what was something that growing up stuck with me most of my life? Well, one of the things was that was this idea that an adult or someone in power, for example, would say, well, this is how it is. Don't challenge it. So it could be a rule. It could be an idea doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's something that never sat right with me. Like, why can't I challenge something? I if I don't agree with it, I can challenge it. I can be nice about it. I don't have to be a jerk about it. But I can ask you, hey, Todd, why do you think that? Why do you think I should be following that? And if your immediate response is to berate me and, like, get angry with me instead of explaining, then there, there's a problem. And maybe it's worth exploring further. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you've been uh, focused on things related to spiritual matters most of your life. And um, through that process, uh, you've evolved, of course, and changed and uh, broke through some obstacles. What would you say would be the greatest obstacle you've ever broken through in your life? So I'll just add one quick thing before I answer your question, Todd. Please, please. uh, I would say spirituality only appeared in my life in the last five or six years really, before that was all about personal growth. Because coming from a country like Romania, where you don't have as many opportunities, I wanted to make the most of the opportunity that Canada would provide. So then I was always a a high achiever and always looking at doing more and learning more and becoming better. But where the, the change happened was that, again, I mentioned Before, I would look outwards for answers. I would read a lot. I would look up to mentors and coaches. And that's all amazing. You want to do all the stuff. But what I wasn't doing is spend time to, A, integrate everything I've learned really well, but also spend time doing some work on myself Mm -hmm. and realizing I hold a lot of the answers I'm looking for to what to do in life, to what to do with the next step, and so on. Now, some of the biggest lessons you're asking, right? Or one of the biggest lessons is exactly that, that we hold all the answers inside and that I don't need to keep asking people for permission to do things, Mm. asking people for advice on absolutely everything. Sure, there are some big decisions that you may want a second set of eyes on it, but we have that power within us and then with the power of those around us, so doing this in a community as well, you can do amazing things. So I'll give you an example. When this idea of the podcast came to me, I had a lot of self-doubt. I'm like, who am I? Why would, would people want to listen to me? <laughs> but then in talking to other people, like my friends, my family, my coworkers even, and others, I would get really good feedback on my ideas and what I wanted to do. So there was a lot of internal battle to go in and say, well, why is my belief that no one wants to listen to me? Why is my belief that I'm not good enough to to be doing this? And it all stemmed down to one idea or another from my childhood or how I was raised. Again, not because someone meant to do me any harm, but that's because it's what they knew or what the society at the time knew. So it's doing that work 
and digging in and seeing what parts of you don't agree with. Because in my heart, I knew that I could do this. But my mind, my brain, my ego wanting to protect me is like, oh, I don't want you to feel disappointed if this doesn't go well. So I'm going to block you from doing it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's a, that's been a huge lesson for me. One of the biggest. Yeah, that's good. And that sounds about like it was when I started too. Because uh, for me, this podcast started uh, as a result of being lonely and isolated and depressed and um, really didn't like uh, the lack of socialization in my life. So I needed a way to find connection with people. But I also have been uh, very focused um, spiritually, of course, but um, I really like human dynamics and I find the human experience to be quite fascinating and entertaining and funny and, yeah. you know, inspiring and everything else. So um, this seemed like a good way to put it together. But you'll notice if you go back to the first couple of episodes, it was just me talking um, because I didn't have any guests at first, you know, and it was like I had to figure out where in the hell are these people going to come from? <laughs> and uh, I, I thought I could just call random, you know, numbers and and get people, but it didn't work out that way. I forgot about spamming and all that stuff, uh, so people <laughs> weren't into that, you know. But um, I will tell you, um, I think your episode, I, I believe you're going to be episode number forty-eight, uh, which is great. Um, it's a weekly show, so almost coming upon a year for me. And I'll just tell you, uh, looking back that uh, you never want to give up on yourself or your dream or your vision no matter what and every now and then when something tells you hey i don't have to do this uh, that's the time when you need to do it the most <laughs> i love the thought i love the advice yeah. that and you can apply that to anything in life right like it doesn't matter if it's a podcast or your work or your passion or anything you do you can apply that and i love absolutely that totally agree yeah so just thinking about your show and what you're evolving into and what it will become it's like you just don't know that's the exciting part of doing something uh you just really don't know where it's going to lead um but it's fun to be on the ride so exactly and you you asked a question earlier about you know one of the biggest lessons right another big lesson has to do with this to Mm -hmm. some degree is the idea of expectations versus intentions so if my expectation of my show is that I'm going to have a million people watching this by the end of two months, let's say, right? Like whatever the number might be, could be a thousand, could be a hundred thousand. Well, I can be very disappointed, right? When when that that three months comes up and I only have half or 75% of that. Or even if I have 95% of it, the way our brains work usually, you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. So it's more about not being so strict with your expectations Switch them to intentions. So my intention of coming on the show and talking to you is to have a good conversation. Absolutely. If anything else comes out of it, that's a f- amazing bonus, right? And that's exactly. how I do nowadays. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And I I also concur. It's in the moments that we spend together as humans sometimes that the magic happens, and there doesn't have to be an agenda, preconceived notion. You don't have to want anything. You can be altruistic. But it's in these moments, you know, when people connect that really special things can occur that you might not even have expected. And that's the value of communication and love and the ability to express yourself accurately. And uh, when you were talking about logic, you know, I was thinking, well, rational logic, you know, and uh, that's the hard part, right? Like the million visitors or views might not be realistic, but... Rational logic dictates, all right, well, how am I going to do this? And the marketing will occur, and how long does it really take, you know? And then you figure it out instead of having unrealistic expectations. So, Yeah, because there's a difference between saying I need to have a million views by this time or my target or my intention is to have a million views. Mm-hmm. Because what I've realized and a mistake I made a few times in my life in different parts, professional, personal, doesn't matter, is the idea that once you set an expectation that's very fixed, right? It's the same idea of fixed mindset versus growth mindset. But if it's fixed, I'm like a horse now with my blinders on and I only have the target inside, which means that everything that happens outside of those blinders, there could be amazing opportunities. I'm going to miss all of that because my target is so fixed and I cannot deviate from it. Right. 
Yeah, it, it's a product of the ego, isn't it? It's part of it, I would say, based on what I've seen. It's it's a part of the ego and the mind and the de defense mechanism and wanting to go down a specific path. And it's also, I would say, depending on your inner child, like that, that child I grew up as, like what did I see in my environment? Was it people like this that had a growth mindset or was it the pe people that had a fixed mindset? And in mine, I can tell you right now, it was like a 100% fixed mindset. Mm. Yeah, big difference. Um, so people who struggle with different things related to um, missed opportunity or whatever, sometimes just you just need to level the bar, right? Like, I mean, it doesn't have to, you're not a failure. Maybe you just set unrealistic expectations. Is that right? Yes, that's that's one way to look at it for sure. And it's someone said it nicely to me once. I think I was interviewing someone or having a conversation with someone. And we're all genetically different, but we're all human beings. So what it means is the thought, you may be more inclined to be an athlete, right? It's going to be easier for you to develop the body you want and the muscles you need to be, let's say, a long-distance runner. Uh, maybe maybe 20 years ago, brother, but not today. Yeah, <laughs> when we grow up, right? Yeah. Uh, I say 20 years ago, because I'm I'm just in 40 as well, so I'm there with you. Okay, 51. There we go. Yeah, not too far at all. Yeah. But it's for many of these these things, it's not too late. But what I was trying to say is that maybe I'll have a better opportunity to be better than you or something, but that doesn't mean you can find your niche. You can find those things that you can excel at. So it's finding those things that bring you joy and you can excel at, and then nothing can stop you. As long as you, like you said earlier, right? Don't give up in those tough moments. Believe in yourself. And if you have a strong mission, if you have a strong why, then I believe you can ride this wave. Meaning that my wife for doing my podcast, for as an example, is to inspire and empower people on this beautiful life journey. Mm -hmm. And if I've done that with at least one person, then I've done my job. Sure, I yes. would want to touch as many people as possible. My mission is not to make a million dollars by the end of year three or whatever the case might be. If that happens, it's a bonus. So I think it all comes down to finding your why, finding your mission, finding your purpose, and then leading with that. Because then you can never be disappointed because you're just following your purpose. And let it take you wherever it takes you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, wow. It almost looks like we're just about out of time. Constant, Constantin. Constantine. Yeah. I'm Const so sorry. Yeah. That's not <laughs> Constantine. Oh, <laughs> What, what would you say that we might not have hit on that might be on your mind? Is there something in your heart or on your mind that we didn't touch on that would be an important message to share with people listening today? Yeah, there, there is one. And you touched briefly on this. And I would say biggest lesson, I didn't want to share it earlier, is this idea of everything or the, the answer is love. Meaning that how you respond to anything that happens in your life is within your choice, right? It's your choice. But if you answer from a place of love, so that could be compassion, gratitude, empathy, any of those elements tied to love, then you're going to be in such a good place and you, it's, only good things can happen then. Mm -hmm. And that's a big lesson that I've had to learn the hard way at different times in my life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And love, you know, love is not a relative concept. There is an absolute value of love, right? Like love, it does express itself in different forms and on different levels. You love a pet, you love a friend, you love a girlfriend, a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a child, all in slightly different ways. But the element of love is a sense of selflessness and a sense of purpose and intent to bring something really positive to the life of another person and never hurt them. Um, that's some of what comes to mind. But I wonder sometimes if people have forgotten what true love is all about, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, you're absolutely right. I think they, at some point in time we forgot. And I, I talked to someone very wise recently, and she showed me how she sees the world. And there are four different types of love. That she believes in. That's the uh, at the top. The fourth one is the unconditional love. 
Mm-hmm. But the gurus have someone like, let's say, Jesus or Muhammad or anyone that. Agape. Yeah, exactly. But then the other three levels, the third level is what we do when we're being in service to others. I'm doing something for you with zero expectation. Like if you give something back, if you do something for me, it doesn't matter. But then the other two levels where we as a society exist right now is the second one is a transactional level. So I do something for you, Todd, if you do something for me and vice versa. So like my job could be that or your job or any job, right? Like I'm giving you my time, you give me money. Mm-hmm. And then the, the lowest level, which is unfortunately what I'm seeing society push us more and more towards is the idea that it's baby love. And baby love is the idea that you receive all the love, but you don't have to give anything out. Mm. Selfish. And then, Selfish, right? Well, that is a problem. And the same with the transactional scenario. We need more people that fill themselves up with love first for themselves and then they just spill love out to others with no expectation. I'm just going to smile at you. I'm going to do something nice for you. I don't expect money. I don't expect anything in return. Not even a thank you. I'm just going to do it because you're a fellow human being. Right? Like when, for example, when you go and give some money to a homeless person on the street or maybe help hold the door for someone when they walk in, those may feel like small gestures, but that's what unconditional love could be because you're doing it out of place of love and nothing else. Absolutely. Yeah. Love is a beautiful thing. And honestly, I think underneath it all, uh, there's a probably hidden selfish desire, whether it's um, manufactured or just intrinsic, but uh, the belief in karma, you know, I believe uh, is one of those elements of love that are very important, you know, and, some people want to love others so that they can be loved. And, you know, I don't think there's anything really wrong with that. Uh, but, you know, it does beg the question, you know, does what go around come around? And I believe it does. Do you? I do, yes. Yeah. And that's but why we want to. Not in the sense that people think, oh, if I hitch over the head with a hammer, someone else is going to hit me over the head with a hammer, right? Like, <laughs> there's different ways that things will come around in the opportunities being presented, the people that come into your life, and so on. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And speaking of beautiful, this was perfect timing. What a great place to end. Uh, Constantin Morin. Morin, Constantin Morin. And it's spelled C-O-N-S-T-A-N-T-I-N. And your last name is spelled M-O-R-U-N, just for people that want to find you. And speaking of which, how would they find you online? That's you a question. Yeah, I do. So it's on unleashedthyself.com. Perfect. You can find me on LinkedIn by my name, Constantine Bo, B-O, which is um, my nickname, Morun, M-O-R-U-N, like you said. On LinkedIn, I'm active there. So if you want to talk to me, just send me a connection request or send me a message. I'm happy to chat with anyone. And of course, if you go to my website, unleashedthyself.com, you'll find links to the show on your favorite podcasting platform or YouTube, or you can find us on social media under the same handle. Super cool, yeah. man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being with us today, Constantine. just want to thank you and for sharing and being so open and willing to, to give up yourself that way. It really meant a lot. Thank you. Todd, thank you. This has been a pleasure, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, my pleasure. Yeah, I hope we get to do it again, actually, in Absolutely. the future. That would be awesome. Absolutely. I would love Beautiful, to. man. Love it. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day, and thanks again for being with us today. You as well. Take care. You too. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. 
Hi, I'm Todd Murat, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.